Man, good morning. Um, so glad to be here with you guys. If you have your Bible, you can go towards Romans 5. Um, but uh, maybe we got a little update. We had, I don't know if you knew this or not, but we had 312 backpacks up here last week. Um, and I, I thought 312 was a way bigger deal than that. I don't know about you guys, but that's a, that's a lot of backpacks. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, because our goal was like 300 backpacks, and then 312 is larger than that. So I thought that was pretty good. And last week we prayed over all those backpacks, and we just like kind of tossed them at people, and nobody got harmed in the tossing of those backpacks, which is great. Um, but I just, I just have a report because we've given those backpacks to some people. We still got a couple backpacks that we're trying to like call people frantically and find homes for, which is amazing. Like right, like we we can meet the needs around us, and now we're having to like go farther than us, and that's, that's really cool. So, um, just like, uh, man, we, uh, we did uh, backpacks at Rita Elementary, which is amazing. Uh, yeah, thank you, Rita. Everybody's excited about Rita. I think they got like 50 backpacks, which is cool. And then uh, Holston Middle School got uh, some backpacks. I, I like Holston. I work there. They, you know, they, they pay me money, so I'll, I'll clap for Holston. Uh, you, don't, you don't have to. I got it. Uh, Spring Hill Elementary, uh, Chilhowee. Chilhawi Intermediate, uh, Sunnyview Elementary, uh, really excited about this, Tennessee School for the Deaf, um, got some backpacks this year, um, Whittle Springs Elementary, we didn't do those last year, which is amazing, um, Shannondale Elementary, and I don't even know where this is, but Porter Elementary, I think it's like in Sevier County or something somewhere, like far from here, which is amazing, um, and then uh, some people, just individuals in our community, we, we got to hand those backpacks to, and, and that's an amazing thing, but the crazy thing is, like, God's multiplied, and we have more backpacks that we're going to give out this week, so I'll, I'll keep you updated, yeah. So there's like nine schools on there, um, which is amazing. And then people that aren't even, yeah. And then, and then people that aren't even in maybe any of those schools and other schools that we, we got to bless with, with backpacks. And I just, I want to say um, thank you for being part of that and giving towards that. I, I believe in that um, because I believe God's going to do something through that, and you're like, oh man, it's a $7 backpack, what's God going to do? And it's like, well, God's done a lot more with a lot less, right? Like there's stories in the Bible, he took the kid's lunch, and he like fed thousands of people. Um, God's going to do some amazing things in that, and he's going to rescue some people um, eternally just through a backpack, because God's saying to some kids, like, I see you, and I know you, and I love you, and we got to be part of that. And, uh, man, just what an amazing thing that is. And I don't know. I heard the backpack goal next year is going to be like 500 or something crazy like that. I just made that up. Um, But, um, man, wouldn't it be cool if we just called every school in the city and said, you know what, we got backpacks. How many do you want? How many do you want? You know, and we'll just go from there because our God is able to do abundantly more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. And I believe that. And I want to see what the more is. So we're just going to keep doing that. But this morning, we're going to focus on Romans 5. If you have your Bible with you, I'm going to take a drink of water. Sorry, maybe dangerous. Um, we'll have an intermission about 345. Um, just kidding. 
if it's your first time, it probably won't be that long, but never rule anything out with God, right? So, um, man, this morning we're going to be in Romans 5, and we've been talking about this series called The Struggle is Real, and I know it's like a weird name, like if you're the first time, you're like, that's like something people in their teenage years like put on Twitter as a hashtag, um, but it's it's such a true statement, right? Like, the struggle is real. We all struggle. Some of you have texted me this week, and you've been like, hey, um, this thing that I didn't see coming is now here. And, man, I just feel like I get texts like that every week. And some weeks, like, I'll, I text people things like that because life is a struggle. And it's, like, full of struggles. It's, like, one big struggle, and then, like, there's many struggles that happen throughout and I'm not trying to paint like this horrible picture of life because it's got good moments, right? There's like some good things that happen in there. But when you've been around for a while, it feels like the negative things sometimes surpass in number those positive things. And I think maybe that leaves us in the church in such a weird spot because we start thinking like, God, where are you at in this? Right? It, you know, we can be honest in this place. Like, I've thought those things. God, I don't, I don't see what you're doing. God, are you even doing anything? And, and you've thought those things, if you're going to be honest with me this morning. Unless you're like a baby, you've, you've questioned this thing we call faith at some point in time. And um, I, I think that's normal, and, and it's actually maybe even God's plan sometimes that we would evaluate our faith in, the, in these moments. I grew up in church, maybe some of you did too, and you maybe heard a phrase like this. I heard it growing up a lot, if you come to Jesus, everything's going to be okay. And and for me, as a, you know, like a young child, what that thought that meant is come to Jesus and you won't have any issues or struggles or trouble or, you know, like it's going gonna, it's gonna to be great. Sun, sunshine and rainbows, right? Like nothing bad's ever going to happen. And man, what a deal. I don't have to go to hell and nothing bad's ever going to happen to me. But it didn't take me long to figure out that that's, that's really not the reality of this thing, that, that we struggle. I'm going to struggle and you're going to struggle and... People with faith are going to struggle, and people that don't have faith are going to struggle. It's just part of this fallen world that we live in. But it set me kind of on a on a mental quest, I guess, in, in my um, early childhood. And, and you know, like we something crazy comes up, and you're like, "Well, God, you know, like where are you at? If everything's supposed to be okay and it's not okay, like are you, have you have you left me or forgot me? Are you even real?" And you don't have to raise your hand this morning, but I feel like probably I'm not the only person that ever struggled with that. How, you know, like the question the world asks all the time is how, how does a good God let bad things happen? And the reality of it is God set everything up to where a bad thing would never happen, but then he made us. And we kind of caused some. And I'm not saying God goes through and like causes all kinds of bad things to happen to us i'm also not saying that god doesn't allow bad things to happen to us but i am saying that for all of us we're going to go through times where we struggle and we we immediately that crossroads like we've talked about the past few weeks where we have to decide like do i believe that god can do what he says he's going to do and then what if he doesn't what am I going to do if he doesn't? What does that mean? Do I still want him if he, if he doesn't? And this morning we're going to talk about this issue in Romans 5. It's an issue, as we'll see pretty soon, Paul writes clearly about. 
This letter was written to the church at Rome, a group of people like us who, you know, like say we have faith in Jesus. And I think it's amazing, like all the letters in the, in the back half of the book were all written to the church. And I think sometimes we come in and we're like, well, I know this or I've heard this or, I, you know, blah, 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 blah. But like there's a reason that he wrote this down for us. Every one of these letters contains how, how we live out this Christian life, how, how we then follow Jesus. And, you know, like the, the, the excuse I hear in the church a lot is I've never been discipled. Well, have you ever read your Bible? Because this is God's discipling tool because he knew we would screw it up somewhere along the line. So he just wrote it all down for us so that you could read it and I could read it and I could grow, grow closer to God through what God says, not what some guy says. And in 5, as he's writing to the church through Paul, he addresses this issue of, of, of suffering. And just maybe to paint a little context, we're going to jump back and just kind of get an overview of 4. Romans 4 talks about justification by faith. This idea that we're declared morally right and good, not because of works or acts or deeds, not because we come to church or we said a prayer one time. Like if you're like, I'm saved because I said a prayer one time, you might not be. Because that's faith in a prayer, not faith in a person. And this is faith in, in God, who is a person. We're not saved by like our good deeds, and we're not saved by all the things that we try to amass up that, are, that will outweigh our, our bad. Like We're saved by faith. And that faith, as he talks about, kind of at the end of that chapter, he says this faith, the righteousness was credited to Abraham for his faith. And it says, now it was credited to him, was not written for Abraham alone, that's verse 23, but also for us. It will be credited to us who, listen, believe in him, Believe in him, him being God, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He being Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses or our sins or because we had wronged God. And he was raised for our justification. This is what he's saying. This is how we're saved, by belief in God and what he's done through his son Jesus. There's no other way today to be saved. You're not going to be saved because you came to church more times than you didn't. You're not going to be saved because you volunteered in some ministry somewhere. You're not going to be saved because you were a preacher or a singer or a Sunday school teacher. You're not going to be saved for any of those things. You're not going to be saved because you decided to be moral. You can't be saved and declared righteous because you are righteous. You either are or you're not, and we're not. You're not going to be saved because you read the Bible a whole lot. You're not going to be saved because you, you pray a whole lot. You're not saved because you came down when you were 11 years old and knelt at the front of a room. You're saved because you had faith in God. You believed in God and what he did through his son, Jesus Christ. Or here's the other option. You're not saved. He's clear about that. Yes, when we see Abraham, Abraham followed God and he did lots of amazing things and, and he believed all the things that God said. But before he believed any of that, he believed in God. And we, if we believe in God, are going to follow God and we're going to do what God says at least some of the time, right? Like, but we're not going to do that to earn salvation. We're first going to believe in God and then that belief will motivate the action. And that's just what he's talking about. And that's where we come into chapter 5. He says, therefore, or because of this, because we're justified through our faith. And then he just restates it. Since we have been declared righteous by faith, 
Because of this, because we've been declared righteous by faith, I have the definition for righteousness. Righteousness is just uh, of a person or conduct. When it's talking about us or how we act, we're declared morally right or good. That God declares us morally right or good because of our faith. And when he looks at us, what God says about us is that, for those of us that know him, is, is we are good. There's a conflict here because I'm not good. I just want to newsflash you today. You're not good. You're, you're not righteous on your own. You're not holy because you're, you're not God. But God says about you today, if you know Jesus, if you believe in God and what he's done through his son, Jesus Christ, he says that you're good. And all the bad that you've done and all the wrong that you've done, what God says about you, if you know Jesus, is that you're good. He sees you as good. He declares you good. He doesn't have this list of wrongs that he keeps and reminds you of every few moments. If you get that list, that's not God. That's a different voice. Like He says about you today that you are good, and that's just what he's restating. This is what we have in Christ. We've been declared, God says about us, that we are morally right or good by our faith. Now, we could stop there today. Some of us today need that message more than we need anything else today. Because some of us come to church and we expect our church attendance to get us to heaven. Or we come to church and we expect that prayer that we prayed that one time to get us to heaven. Or we live these righteous, right, these sub-righteous lives. We, we live almost moral and we, we think that's going to get us to heaven or, or some music station that we listen to is going to get us to heaven. And here's the reality today. The only thing going to get you to heaven is belief and trust in God and what he's done through Jesus Christ. Amen. And we could pray there today. Right, like Some of you need to hear that and you need to receive that. You need more than anything else today to put your trust in God. You need to say to him, God, I need you to save me. I'm not good. I'm not going to be good. I'm tired of working for it. I have trust that when you said it is finished, it is enough. And I put my trust in you and I put my faith in you. I want you to save me. Some of you need that today. Amen. There are people in this room today that need to put their faith and their trust in Jesus. And we could stop there. Like, that's enough. Like, God didn't need to do anything else, right? Like, we were wrong, and he says that we're right if we just believe in Jesus. Like, that's, that's enough. And we could stop there today. But the crazy thing is, is like, that is not where God stops And that is not where grace stops. God did not just merely come to die so you wouldn't have to go to hell. He did more than that. God didn't just come to die so you wouldn't have to spend eternity burning forever. Like he, he didn't do that just to free you from that. He did so much more. And that's what Paul starts to get into. He says, oh, yeah, that's true. We wrote a whole chapter about it. We've been declared righteous by faith. Those of us that are in the church that know Jesus, that are saved, church word today, we've been declared morally right and good only by faith. But God didn't stop there. He goes on and he says, let me, let me explain some grace to you today. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on and he's like, not only have you been declared morally right and good today, you have peace with God through what Jesus did on the cross. 
That's amazing because what we are before we come to know Jesus, the Bible is clear on, is enemies of God. We don't get to be Sweden in the thing, right? Like we're not neutral. We're not just like the the guy standing over in the corner like, eh, God, he could be okay. Maybe he's not. I don't really know. Like we don't get to be that guy. There's no gray area. The truth is we're either with God or we're against God. And apart from Jesus Christ, guess what we are? We're against God. Church attendance does not make you for God. Coming in here does not make you for God. Praying does not make you for God. Trying to be moral does not make you for God. Caleb does not make you for God. Air one does not make you for God. The moles do not make you for God. None of that makes you for God. You don't have a way to be for God except through Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter how moral you are, you're still not God. And if you're not God... And you've not been invited in through Jesus. You're an enemy of God. The Bible's clear about that. There's no neutral. There's no middle. There's no gray. See, it's not a list of I'm either like this super sinner or I'm kind of in the middle where I just kind of do the little things or I'm saved. It's not some scale today. It's I've given my life to Jesus or I haven't. And if you haven't, the reality today is for you, you're an enemy of God. And you're like, well, how, how does that work? Because I don't, I don't feel like an enemy of God. I'm not like actively against God. But here's the reality today. You are. Because God made you. He created you. He molded you. He fashioned you together. And he did all that for a purpose. And that purpose is that you would love God and know God. And what we have said... Before the cross, because the only way in is through the cross, is God, I don't want to do it your way. Right? Like coming to church to, to be a Christian, that, that's not doing it God's way. God said the Son is the way. You can be a religious person who's against God. You can be a Christian who's against God, but you can't be saved and be against God. So God has made us, and what we've said is, God, in, in some way, some shape, some form, I don't want to do it your way. I don't want you. I don't need you. I don't need your grace. I'm going to live my way for my pleasure. I'm going, to, I'm going to earn my salvation maybe even. What is all of that at the end of the day? Religious and non-religious, what is that? That's an enemy of God. God created me and I said, nah, you're just not that impressive. God made me and I said, nah, I don't really care so much about knowing you. That's against God. And then what Jesus did, because all of us are born into that, is he came down so we could, we could see what we were missing. He came down and he, he lived a perfect life. He, he displayed that he was God. And then he died to make a way that we could have peace with God so that I could change sides, as it were. That's, that's grace that goes beyond, I'm just not going to burn forever. That's God's allowing me, even though I have come against God, even though I have transgressed against God, even though it was my sin, not God's sin, that drove me away. Even though that was me, God has come down and he said, you know what? I want you to come back in. I want you to come back over. I spit in God's face and he said, no big deal, man. Come back over. I rebelled against God, and he said, no big deal, man, just let's, let's come back over. And he did that through 
Jesus. Uh, that's grace. And Paul says it's, it's not just today that we've been declared morally right or good by our faith. We also have this peace with God through what Jesus did on the cross. And then he goes on, right? He says, also... Through him, being Jesus, through what he's done on the cross, we have obtained access by faith. Today we have access to God through what Jesus has done on the cross. Not just today that like God's distant, but he's okay with me. Wouldn't that be, even that would be good, right? Like God's like, ah, you're, I forgive you. I don't care about you. I don't love you, but like, I forgive you. That would, that would be good. Because God could have crushed me, he chose not to. I would, I would take that. But that's not what he wanted for me. He said, you have access today to me. You can, you can actually today, right now, where you are, if you know Jesus, you can, you can just start praying and God hears you. That's an amazing thing to me. That God would want a relationship with us today. And I know, like some of us, that's so foreign. You hear that and you're like, what does that even mean? What, is it, what does it mean to have a relationship with God? Like, is that church attendance? No, it's not. It's just this place where God gets you, where God teaches you about you and he teaches you about him at the same time, where you grow close together and he starts to make you more like him, where you begin to know and, and want the things that, that God wants and you feel like, like God cares about you and he loves you and, he, and he's pulling you in and you, and you feel that. Some of us, like you hear that, and you're like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. But we have access to that today. To that place where God pulls us in. We have access to that today through Jesus. That we can have access to God. Through faith, not through works. Into, listen to this, this, this grace in which we stand today. The solid ground of grace. We have access to God and to the solid ground of grace through what Jesus has done on the cross. Now grace, do we have grace back there? Is it back there? I don't remember if I sent you grace or not. Uh, if not, I, I know what it is. It's, um, it's unmerited or unearned love and favor of God that we didn't do anything to get it. God just loves us because it's who he is. God just chooses to love us in spite of who we are today. That I, I can be the worst example of of, of Christ on the planet, but God still loves me if I, if I know Christ. That I can be the, like, biggest, you know, pile of, put a word there, um, but God still loves me because I didn't do anything to earn it. It's not about works. It's about faith. And that's, that's what he's saying. He's like, man, this is grace. This is grace today. This is what God has done. Not only does he say you're morally right and good, which we all know today, if we're honest, is not true about us. I know like we come in church and we're like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I didn't do anything bad this week. I didn't sin this week. I didn't think anything bad this week. That's how we act when we get in this place. But it's not true. It's so false. Every one of us sinned this week. We probably sinned on the way to church this morning. And guess what? We'll get in the car and we'll sin when we get in the car. It's what we do. It's who we are. And the closer you get to Jesus, the, the more real that's going to be to you. I'm a screw up. I'm a failure. I cannot, I cannot do this except for that grace. So God declares over us something we could never earn on our own. He says, you're morally right and you're good. And then he goes on into that. And he says, not only are you those things, but but you have access to God, that you have peace with God through Jesus Christ. That's just grace upon grace. And then he says that you get to stand on this grace, that this is your only hope, that, that God just loves you because of who God is. 
All of that comes not because you did something today, but because God did something today. All of of those things we talked about, peace with God, righteousness, all those things come because Jesus died on a cross, not because you said a prayer or you came to church. And this is what he's talking about. Yes, faith in God is the thing that that puts us in this place. Just this belief that that in the very core of us that that God is who he says he is. And he's done an amazing work in Jesus Christ. And that's enough. Like how simple is that today? Like God literally took all the pressure off today. Because this whole back half of the book, what we see is people trying to earn their way to God. And get to God. And be like God. And they they had to strive to keep all these laws and all these things that they never could keep. With this promise that God was going to send a Savior. And here we are on the other side of that. And we see the cross. And God has invited us into a relationship with Him through the cross. And it's all based on a love that we don't earn. And if we don't earn it, we can't lose it today. That's the faith that he's talking about. That is grace. And that's, that's like the nature of what we're celebrating in here. We sing about the cross. Does that not excite us? Like, really? Like, I don't know what to do. Like, amen, hallelujah, shut the book, I'm leaving. Like, that should be an exciting thing to us today. Jesus died, and that was enough for those that would put their faith and trust in him. And in that moment when he said, it is finished, God opened the door for me to access righteousness. I can be declared righteous. Peace with God. I'm not an enemy of God anymore through what Jesus has done on the cross. I have access to God. I can actually talk to God. It's such a privilege today that I can, I can even be around God, that I can be in this room, that God could speak to me, that I could sing to God and pray to God. Like I have access to that, and it's all based on the solid foundation today of the love of God that never changes and never fails because it's not dependent upon me. If it was dependent upon me, I'd be in quicksand today. Because I can't keep up with the law and I can't be good like God. But through Christ today, I have access to the solid rock that is God's love toward me. I can't lose it today. It doesn't move today. It's firm today. And I can build everything I got on this rock that is grace. And it all comes not because of what I've done, but because I believe in what he has done. Some of us need that today. Actually, all of us need that today. But some of us need it for the very first time today. And we look at this and we sing songs about this and we're like, man, this is the message. This is the thing. This is, this is, what, this is what draws me in. This is what I want. And it would be amazing, right, like if Paul quit writing there. Somebody would have just took the pen away. But nobody took the pen away. And this is where it gets, it gets real. It says, right, like we, we rejoice. I'm remembering it, not reading it right now because I can't find it. There it is. Um, 
we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, that we have this hope today that we're going to actually see God and that that should make us celebrate. I have rejoice up there. Uh, rejoice is just to feel or show great joy or delight. I would put feel and show because if you feel something, it's going to come out at some point in time. Like if all you do is feel like worshiping or feel happy or feel, nobody cares about what you feel. If you feel happy, then that happens. You can't control it. If you feel like worshiping, like you, you will. That happens. And, and to rejoice is to feel and show great joy. That I, that I recognize what God has done and I recognize it's a privilege to be here and to stand on this rock. And I, I rejoice in that, but I also rejoice in this hope that one day I'm going to see God like with my eyes. I'm going to lock my eyes on God. And this hope is not like a hope like I hope it happens. Like I could hope Nick brings me $100 at 5 o'clock today. Nick is not going to bring me $100 at 5 o'clock today. Unless one of you blesses Nick with $200. If God puts it on your heart. And then he'll split it with me. Yeah. Um, But it's a hope like, man, I hope it happens soon. I know it's going to happen. But I don't know when it's going to happen. Like, right, like I I hope I'm going to eat lunch soon. I'll let you know I'm going to eat lunch soon. Like, I, I hope that my car works when I get in it today. My car's going to work. It's not that old. If it doesn't, one of you guys know how to work on cars. Right? Like, like, I know it's, it's going to happen. I have this assurance, but I'm eagerly waiting. This is the hope that he's talking about, this eager anticipation or expectation that we have this hope, this eager anticipation that very soon we're going to see God, and that comes through this grace. And that's easy to rejoice in. But like they didn't take the pen away soon enough. And he goes on and he says, not only that. Not only that. Some of us today are in the only that. Oh, I can rejoice about seeing God and I can rejoice about the grace on which I stand and I can rejoice about peace with God and I can rejoice about access to God and I can rejoice that he looks at me and he says that I'm a... You know, like love, son and daughter. I can rejoice in all that. But he says, that's not the plan today. We don't only get to rejoice in that today. But he writes this, and it's, it's crazy. He says, but we also rejoice in our afflictions. We also rejoice in our afflictions. And now affliction, just so we're clear, is not a good thing, right? Like affliction is something that causes pain or suffering. That's an affliction today. Something that causes us pain or suffering. And you look at rejoice and you look at affliction and those words are so contrary, right? Like they shouldn't even go in the same sentence together. It's, 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 it's like, Paul, what is wrong with your brain right now? Why would you write that we rejoice in our afflictions? There's something wrong with you. You obviously screwed up. Like we need to go back and we need to check the Greek and the Hebrew and make sure that this is the word that was there. Because maybe the translators messed it up. But let me just get there for you. They didn't mess it up. This is what he meant, and it's what God intends for us. He said, we don't only get to rejoice in the good today, but we rejoice in the pain and the suffering today. 
Some of us are sitting in deep sorrow this morning and our hearts are broken and we feel broken and God is writing to us and he's looking us in the eye today and he's saying, you must rejoice in it. When everything falls apart, you must rejoice in it. When nothing makes sense, you must rejoice in it. And you look at that and you're like, God, how do I do that? How do I rejoice in this? Because it doesn't make sense. But man, when it doesn't make sense, it doesn't mean we get to ignore it. Because what God writes, God means. Because here's the reality that we're about to see. Even in pain and suffering, God is working. He says, not only the good stuff, but we also rejoice in the deep sorrow. And here's why. Because we know That affliction is working something in us. Affliction produces endurance. Do we have endurance? Endurance. I'm going to turn around because I can't read that. It's so little. Endurance is the the, the fact or power of enduring. I love when they use the, the, the definition, the word in the definition. The fact or power of enduring an unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving way. This is endurance. Endurance, let me just... Condense that is, is staying power. When everything falls apart, that God is teaching us to anchor ourselves in something. Here's the reality. Some of us are anchored in our families and God will possibly allow that to fall apart. So we will anchor in something real. Some of us are anchored in, in a person or our health and a relationship in money and power and pleasure. Some of us are anchored in those things. And, and God loves us enough, that grace, that love. He, he loves us enough to let the bedrock of that to be shaken so that we see, man, this is sinking sand. People that are not God, sinking sand. Church, sinking sand. Religion, sinking sand. Relationships, sinking sand. What God is doing in our pain and our suffering is teaching us to drive our anchor into something of substance today. He said, I'm trying to give you some staying power that when everything is falling apart around you, you're not anchored in that situation. You can still rejoice because you're sunk into something greater than that person or that billfold. You're sunk into something greater than than your health. You're sunk into something greater even than your life. See, see, affliction, it produces, it works something in us. When, when we hurt and we're in that deep sorrow, what it does is it, it attaches us more firmly to Christ. God, I, I need you. I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but for you, I don't know what you're doing and I don't know where you are, but I trust that you're there. It, it, it attaches us more firmly to Christ. It, it pushes our hearts closer together. And he he says that here. He says, you got to rejoice when everything's falling apart because that's when God's pulling you in. The thing the enemy would say, run, 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 get out of here. God's left you is the very thing that if you'll just hang out in the tide for a moment, God will use to pull you in so close. See, God desires relationship with us enough that he will let things fall apart so that we can fall into place. It says affliction produces endurance or the staying power. And, and, then, and then God's not done. It says endurance produces something. 
Endurance produces proven character. Staying power, when we stay, when when pain and suffering comes and and we stay, it, it produces something. Proven character. Character is the mental or moral qualities distinctive to an individual. And the synonym for that is personality. Your character is your personality. It's who you are. What God is saying is in those deep pains and sorrows when everything's falling apart, what God is doing is he's changing our faith from something we just say we believe into the very essence of who we are. He's changing us from people who read the Bible and believe the Bible and know all the little Christian phrases into people that look more like Christ. He's changing us into what he would have us to be in those moments when everything's falling apart. God's working in us. Man, it's, it's great that some of us have memorized those like, God is great all the time. And all the time, God is great little phrases, those little gift-wrapped phrases, those Christian things. And we like know, you know, John three sixteen, and we can sing kind of some of how great is our God. That, that's great, but God's trying to do something deeper in us. And see, the amazing thing about pain and suffering is this. It'll either cause you to run from God, which then you know you are not God's. Or that will cause you to run to God. Those crossroads when you have to decide, like, do I believe God is who he says he is? And what am I going to do if he doesn't rescue me from this? Those moments where we have to decide, like, am I going to walk away like everybody else? Or am I going to stay right here? There's like this cool thing in our culture right now where people on social media are like, like used to be Christians or, are saying, hey, I'm, I'm not a Christian anymore. And they're apologizing for their faith. Let me just let you know something today. None of those people were Christians if they can walk away. Yeah. I don't care how many books they wrote or how many CDs they're on or how kind of influencers there are. If you can walk away from Christ, you never belong to Christ. And it's not me that says that. It's the word of God that says that. But here's what God wants you to know for sure today. He wants you to know either yes, you believe or no, you do not. He loves you enough today that he will not let you just sit in church and and float through the motions today for the rest of your life wondering if you're going to heaven. He wants you to know for sure. And it's pain and suffering that is the tool that that best happens through. For gold to be pure, it goes through a process called refining. For us to be pure, we go through a process called pain. Because God's not wanting us to play church anymore. God's wanting us to be the church. He says endurance, it produces proven character. But then listen to this. He's not done working yet. Proven character produces hope. Now what do we just rejoice in at the beginning? We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And if we're going to have hope that we're going to see God, it's going to come through pain and suffering. Hope is forged in the fire of pain and suffering. When our heart is ripping apart, there's a hope that grows up. Hope is not some like genie thing that we believe in. Some uh, it might happen one day kind of thing. Hope is a feeling of trust. Pain and suffering produces staying power. Staying power produces realness. And realness 
produces trust in God. In our pain, and in some of the hardest moments of our life, some of you know it because you've been through it, in our pain is when we decide, do I really believe what I say I believe? Am I going to wake up and I'm going to go to church next Sunday? Am I going to, my week fell apart. Am I going to wake up this morning and go or am I going to lay in the bed? Am I going to still pray to God today when I don't feel like God is hearing me? Am I still going to talk to God today when I feel like he's left me and abandoned me? See, that is what God is doing. He's saying, it's not about this pretty little thing that we've created. We can fake church and we can fake Christianity and we can do, we know enough about how to do this. We can do this. Or we can be real. And in those moments when our world's falling apart, what God's, trust, what God's changing us into is real people who really trust God. It's really easy for me to say to you when you're going through sickness and death and pain and sorrow and sin, hey, just trust God. But man, it's a different thing when I'm going through sickness and death and sorrow and sin. To say, I trust God. And God's trying to put us all in a place today. Where when we say, man, I hope one day I see God. I hope one day I'm in heaven. I hope one day that God comes through. I hope one day that God rescues me. That it's not a I hope like I don't know if it's going to happen. But man, I've seen this God in the very depths of my spirit. I've seen God when it's the darkest night. I've seen light pierce through in the darkest moments of my life. I've seen God when I didn't know how I was going to get up in the morning. I've seen God when I didn't think anybody cared about me. I've seen God when everything was falling apart. When relationships were falling apart. When people left me. I've seen God. I've seen God when people quit on me. I've seen seen God when I've quit on me. I've seen God in the middle of my depression. I've seen God in every situation and every circumstance when people would say there is no God. I can look back with certainty and say, yes, there is. And you need to know this God because he's never left me and he's never forsaken me. He's never once run from me or turned his back on me. I know this God. I don't have some kind of hope like I hope he's out there. I have a hope like I know because I've seen it. We don't only today rejoice in this thing that we call grace and this, in this thing that we say we've, we've prayed a prayer and we come to church. We don't only rejoice in that today. We rejoice today when everything's falling apart because we know there's a God who's holding everything together. We rejoice today because when everything else won't hold my anchor today, I have a place I can sink my anchor. We rejoice today because we're not having to fake our way through this thing, wondering if we really believe what we believe. But there's a God who's willing to prove himself over and over and over and over and over. So that when the next crossroads comes and we have to decide, do I believe he can and do I want him if he doesn't, we can burst through and say, yes, yes, I will not stop. Because I know one day I'm going to lock my eyes on him. And I don't want to hear him say, nice try. I want him to look me in the eye and say, you did it. You, you did it. You made it through. You, you made it through. We rejoice today. 
I know for some of us that are sitting in the thick of it today that that's easier said than done. But I just want you to hear what, what God says in 5. He said, this hope or this trust, it, it does not disappoint. You're not going to be let down. You can anchor deep in God. You're not going to be let down. Because, here's how we know, God's love, it goes right back to that grace. That doesn't depend on me, that doesn't count on me, that doesn't have anything to do with me. That love that, that when I question, God, what are you doing, it is still there. That love has already been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's given to us. Some of you are going through stuff right now and, and you're in that moment where you're like, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to get up in the morning. And I just want to answer that today. Because God is in you. Some of you went through stuff and you're like, I don't, I don't even, like none of this makes sense. I don't, I don't even get how I'm going to get through next week or the next day. And I just want you to know, here's how. Because God is in you. His love has already been poured out in your hearts because he's given you today the Holy Spirit. There's grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Some of you are dealing with sickness today in your family or maybe in yourself. And you're like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. You can do it today because God is in you. Some of you are dealing with maybe, maybe facing death in the near future future for you or somebody else and I just want you to know you can continue today because God is in you some of you are dealing with sorrow and heartache and you're like I don't know what's happening in my family or my marriage or whatever and I just want you to know you can do it today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day because God is in you some of you are dealing with sin and shame and guilt and you're like I don't even know how I got here and I want you to know today you can continue today because God is in you in every place in every situation in every circumstance there is a God who lives in your heart today through the blood of Jesus Christ today and you can endure you can keep going you can keep anchoring you can keep trusting you can keep hoping when it doesn't make sense God is molding you into who he wants you to be today you've seen where he said to Peter Satan has desired to sift you he wants to shake you he wants to tear you up but I've prayed to God that you won't lose your faith so you hold on when nothing makes sense you hold on the God that's in you is greater than he who's in the world and you just hold on today because God's changing you into something that he desires for you to be that you need and the people around you need today. God's doing a work and you can persist because the Holy Spirit is in your heart today. He's already been poured out through the love of God. So you set your eyes on the goal today. There is a hope today to rejoice in. There's a trust today to rejoice in. You will see God if you know Jesus and you set your face like flint towards this race and you run and you run and you run. Paul writes, they, they've, they tried to kill me. They've beaten me, but I want you to know today I finished the race. I fought the good fight and there's a crown laid up for me in heaven presented to me from God. It's worth it. Keep running.
It's worth it today. Keep running. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what you're going through today, but it doesn't matter today because he who's in you is greater than he who's in the world. And you may struggle and fight the rest of your life, but you're going to leave this life one day to a better place and you're going to lock your eyes on God. And what you don't want to hear is you almost did it. You could have done it. I gave you the power to do it, but you wouldn't do it. You don't want to hear that. You want to hear you did it. You made it. You're here. Death couldn't beat you. Hell couldn't hold you. Sickness, shame, guilt couldn't do a thing to you. You set your face like flint towards God and the enemy threw everything he could at you. And I let him do it because I was molding something in you. I was making something in you and the world needed it and you needed it and you made it. Well done. Well done. Man, I don't have to have everything here. Because everything I need is sitting at the right hand of the Father today in heaven. And he may not rescue me from every situation. I may go through sickness and I'm going to see death. I'm going to experience deep sorrow. And I'm going to sit with some people in the hospital as they go through the same thing. But I trust at the end of this thing. That same God I put my faith in today and tomorrow and the next day 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 day is going to greet me when I walk into heaven. And I can rejoice in that. Every moment I can rejoice in that.